Hello and welcome to the Right for Your Life podcast. This week I'm joined by the fantastic Joanna Penn from thecreativepen.com and various other projects and books and all kinds of things. So welcome Joanna. Thanks Ian. It's great to be here. We've got lots of exciting things to discuss today. We absolutely have and um, it's all about, well we're coming up to the new year. I've got lots of plans for the new year. I've got a new job. I've got a New babies, lots of new plans for 2013, but one of my big plans is going to be about um, getting back to writing my second novel. So it's all about writing seriously in uh, 2013. Does that sound about right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think both of us already take our writing seriously to a point. But I really I think about this time of year, you know, you need to decide on your goals and, um, you know, what are the things you actually want to achieve? So it's almost like um, one, a sort of attitude of mind, but two, actually putting some concrete goals around it. So, yeah, we're going to we're going to get into it. It's about having a plan, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so this so the podcast is generally going to be framed. This episode is about writing writing seriously. That's kind of the framework. But um, we have a few points, and I think it probably makes sense just to go through them more or less one by one and uh, see where the conversation goes. I think that sound okay. Yeah. Okay, so the number one is about understanding um, large goals around your life and uh, and your book or whatever your writing project is, and um, and thinking about what you're going to give up. Uh, now, this is something I've written about um, before. Um, I, I wrote a post about sacrifice. It's one of the, if, I, if I say so myself, I think it's one of the better <laughs> things I've written on the blog. Um, and and because um, I, I, I genuinely believe that if you're going to finish a, a any any work of any substance, then there will come um, not even just a point. There will become many points where you literally have to decide between. Um, uh, your writing and and something else that you probably really love too, and it could be friends, it could be family, it could be anything. Um, and so for me, the key word is is sacrifice. And and you do genuinely have to sit down with yourself and probably your partner or loved one, whoever it may be, and and make that decision and and, and make a decision about what it is that you're going to give up um, uh, in order to in order to really take your writing seriously for a, a usually a specific period of time. Is that the kind of experience you've had as well, Joanna? Yeah, and I think um, I mean I I wrote the first couple of novels while I was working full time as an IT consultant, and so I've pretty much gave up. Um, I did a couple of things. I moved to four days a week, which I think changed my life. So by actually giving up twenty percent of my income, I moved to eighty percent of you know eighty percent in exchange for a day off, basically. And that that day made a huge difference to my writing life. And then I also um, gave up some sleep time. I used to do a lot at sort of five o'clock in the morning, which I must say was easier in Australia when the sun sun's up at sort of half past four um, um, and then I also gave up TV so we got rid of the TV about four years ago um, still watch uh, shows you know on iTunes and things but without all the adverts and without just sitting there brainlessly for hours it's actually a really good thing um, to do so um, that's that's kind of what happened when I had a full-time job and now I'm full-time on the author entrepreneur thing what I am evaluating for next year is you know there's only one of me and I have to decide about my business because at the moment you know I'm an author entrepreneur so I've got the fiction I've also got non-fiction I've got my blog which I could spend forever on um, I've got uh, courses that I sell digital courses that I, I create and sell and then I've got my speaking business so I'm just I'm trying to decide what 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 can I give up to, in order to focus more on fiction which I'm finding is what I really enjoy um, but also that at the moment I have 
haven't. This, this year, I've only written one book, basically, which isn't enough. So, um, yeah, so it's funny. I think at different times of your life, you have to think about the different things you're going to balance. Um, so if I want to become a brand name fiction author, which I do, um, then I have to focus on fiction. Um, so I don't What about you, Ian? Because you've got two new twins. You've got baby twins. Um, I, obviously, you can't give up time with your children. So <laughs> How are you going to manage it with a, with a young family, which I know a lot of people will struggle with? Well, one of the things that I've always done is is um, is take on lots of projects outside of work, some paid, but, but very often and probably more often than not um, unpaid. So I just like doing stuff. I like if someone offers me something interesting to do, then I'll usually say yes. So I think that probably the first thing that I need to do is to is to start saying no, because I have some very... The one thing that I've noticed with having children is that your priorities become much, much clearer than they were before. So, <laughs> um, so my priorities are obviously uh, the kids and family and, and, and obviously full, uh, having a full-time job again, um, which I will have from January. Um, and then my, my plan is literally to make my, my, third, my third most important thing, bearing in mind the first two are kind of givens, um, is, is to make it uh, novel number two, the next book. Um, and, then, and then closely behind that is is right for your life it's this podcast it's the blog and all the things that go along with promoting the first book A.S. Rangelicus so as, as I've spoken before on the podcast it just so happened that my first um, after, after waiting for many years my first uh, novel was published at the same time that I decided to get be, be made redundant and have two children at the yeah. same time <laughs> you had a big week <laughs> I had a, a heck of a, a heck of a week a heck of a couple of months and um, and, and I'm still kind of in it all, which is fine. It's all wonderful, really. Um, but it's meant that my, my novel, A.S. Frangelic, I've not really been able to market it and promote it in the way that I would have liked or would have kind of... It's not been ideal, but um, um, I, can, I, can, I can remedy that by making it a, a huge priority. So it's, it's um, sometimes when you're blogging, like you just said, you can kind of blog forever. Sometimes it feels like that's um, pointless isn't the right word, but it feels like it's not the most important thing. But actually, it's kind of certainly for me, it's going to be the the, the biggest tool I have really for for um, marketing my first book, what's right in the second. So it's it's yeah. more a case of getting rid of all those projects, paid or unpaid, that aren't really focused on actually getting another book written and, and, and out there. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, like I love my, um, you know, I love my podcast. I love my blog. I love speaking. You know, I love doing all these things yeah. as well. And it's, I think it's also you know, moving into the second thing, you know, talking about diarising and chunking your time. Um, I think that's probably a way to manage it. So I'm, I'm looking, I, I'm a chronic diariser. If I could, you know, if we were on video, I'd show you my file of facts, which I've had for years now. And I, I have everything in, um, you know, I have whole days that I chunk out now for writing fiction. So I go to the London Library, I actually get away from my desk because at home I feel like I'm in quite a business mode and I do my non-fiction, I do my courses, you know, calls like this. Um, I'm more outwardly focused. And when I want to be inwardly focused and do my fiction, I find it easier to be physically somewhere else. So I go to the library and um, at the moment I've been doing probably two days a week in the library and, and I want to make that three or four days a week in 2013 because I think that will you know double my output in terms of fiction and then I will um, make sure I have one big chunk of time for scheduling the the blog doing the podcast doing Twitter all of those things that we really enjoy um, but we can probably get them all done in a in a chunk of time so maybe that will work for you as well 
I definitely think it's the way that I need to go. It's something that I've always, always struggled with. Really, I do, I do chunk my time. It's kind of how I naturally write. If I'm if I'm writing fiction, then I do tend to be completely in the zone for about twenty five minutes, and then get to the end of a paragraph and um, or or a page if I'm lucky, and um, and almost surface and think, crikey, where did what what just happened there? Like the time has has gone, and then I, I have sort of five or ten minutes away, and then I'll come back and I'll do exactly the same thing again. So it's kind of it is a chunking of sorts, but it's more it's more naturally how I write. So it does make it quite difficult to put that kind of thing in the diary. Um, but it's absolutely what I need to do, and I'm hoping that around work I can do that too. So just something simple like I'm going to have. Um, my previous job, I, I I didn't really have a commute as such. It was it, it was quite I, I worked quite close, and so I would walk. And although that's good for ideas, it's not brilliant for actually jotting them down because you know mm. you might walk into yeah. a tree or something. Um, but the chances are I'm going to be going on the bus, so I'm going to take a notepad. I'm going to have 20 minutes journey to sit and think. And it sounds like it sounds like nothing, but having that little time bit of time that I do routinely every day, I think is going to be really quite valuable for me. And I think that probably is the key word: is to get into a routine, which is something that is very easy to slip out of. And I've slipped in and out of routines constantly over the years, um, and I think that's something that I'm going to try and do. Mm. And um, I had um, a lady called Ruth Ann Nordin on the show a a couple of years ago now, I think. Um, Ruth Ann writes romance and she writes four or five novels a year Um, and romance novels are shorter, but she has four kids I think three or four boys and um and she said that she actually had to switch I mean I like big chunks of hours to write she she will write one or two sentences every time there's a spare moment um so and I was amazed at that it was kind of like oh my goodness how do you do that and she was like well with with three boys running around you know being mad you have to snatch every moment you can so um I think I think the, the lesson for us both is that it doesn't really matter you can do it either way um you just have to do it you just have to kind of fit it in don't you absolutely and it's funny you should say that because on last week's podcast i was talking to children's author Catherine white in brackets who happens to be my mother-in-law and um <laughs> and she she does the same thing and i've seen her do it and i think how what's she doing she always she just seems to keep going off to the laptop but the laptop isn't away in an office somewhere it is permanently open in yes. in just it's not in the kitchen it's in the dining room it's where other people are it's kind of where other people are sat watching television and every now and again she'll just stop what she's doing wander off to the laptop tip it out for about four or five minutes and then mm. go back to whatever it was and um and it works it really works for her that's amazing. Um, I, I, I'd like, you know, let's talk again like in a year because I want to know if men can do that as well or if it's just <laughs> women. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't like to comment now, but um, I suspect well, whatever you're thinking well. is probably true. <laughs> um, OK, right. What's our next one? Well, the next one is about understanding resistance and, and, and getting through it. Um, and, so and I, um, I don't know if you know about, I mean, I know I wrote this list down, but resistance being Stephen Pressfield's concept from the War of Art. Um, so if people don't know about it, um, Pressfield kind of, he, he resistance is almost a physical force um, that we all face, but it's everything that comes up that will stop you creating something good or creating anything. In fact, it's that little voice in your head that says your writing is crap. It's the, it's the voice that says, I'm really tired or, you know, I'm terrible 
terrible or it's the it's the feeling that blogging is more important or it's the Facebook page that keeps your attention. It's anything that stops you from creating something. And um, once you understand that resistance will be there, whatever you do, then you can actually um, concentrate on, you know, fighting that. And I've, I've got on my wall a quote, which um, I've talked about on the podcast before, but I'll read it out for everyone. On the field of the self stand a knight and a dragon. You are the knight. Resistance is the dragon. The battle must be fought anew every day. So that's Stephen Pressfield. I love that quote. Does that resonate for you? I think it resonates for every human being in the civilized world. <laughs> it's, um, it's, 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 uh, I guess, still a relatively new problem. Is that <laughs> frustratingly all these all these possibilities opened up for authors with the uh, with the internet and and Amazon's uh, Amazon's digital publishing. You know, the whole thing just opened up for everyone. But at the same time, along came Twitter and Facebook to make it more difficult to actually get the word done. And um, and it's it is a problem. I I I've kind of um, I've changed the way that I use um, social media, for instance, in the last few months anyway, just because I simply haven't had time. I've had babies to look after and that kind of thing. So I I used to... um, I used to use Twitter as I, I was I was myself, but I was also kind of a service. So I used to provide a lot more links than I do now, and I used to be reading articles all the time and posting them out. And that was one of the well, that was one of the things that I decided I had to go. I just didn't have time to to, to be that service. But it's meant that I've actually built up, um, uh, I guess, a few sort of closer relationships um, um, using Twitter because I've just been myself much more, a bit more conversational. Someone like if I, someone like Mike who runs the Seventy Decibels uh, Network who. who who's done the podcast with me the last series. Everyone knows Mike. Um, that's a relationship that's come through, I guess, me changing the, the, way, that I use, the, the way that I use Twitter. But it means that I've used it less and, uh, and, and hopefully a bit more constructively. Um, and going for, and being, working freelance the last couple of months, I've been, I've been working as a freelance writer the last, uh, as, as a copywriter for the last two or three months. But I've been working from home, and of course the temptation, as you say, when you're in the place, um, in in this for the in this uh, example, the place where I, I guess, um, I use the internet for leisure, uh, the computer for leisure. Um, I've had to really stop that because it's now a place of work, and that has helped me get into that, um, change my mindset slightly and the way that I use these things, and and to 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 have the <laughs> the wherewithal to realise when I'm when I'm giving in to the resistance. And um, and hopefully in 2013, that's something that I'll be able to um, fight with my fiction too. Yeah, and I, I really uh, recommend that book to anybody. That's um, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield and also Turning Pro, which he uh, released this year um, and is sort of one. I've actually got it in print on my on my desk, which is very unusual for me because I'm an e-book girl. Um, but I, I absolutely recommend those books for, for writers. Um, but the, the next thing I think, and I think resistance is part of it, is the word count goal, mm. um, which I actually resisted for quite a while. But um, now when I sit down for a writing session you know like we talked about a focus time whether that's a 90 minute you know sort of I'm going to sit down and write or you know sometimes like a whole day if you can spare it or whatever um I now set word count goals and I normally go for 2,000 words um I do 2,000 words if it's if it's a short session and 4,000 if it's a longer session I, I've never made it past 4,000 in a day <laughs> um but and, uh and yeah, how, I, how, sorry how long would that usually take you to write 2,000 words 
I can do 2,000 words in 90 minutes if I have already planned the scene. So um, if I sit down, I, n- I never sit down with nothing in my head. Um, I'll sit down and I will have, um, the scene would say something like, um, you know, Morgan Sierra is going to Abu Simbel in Egypt where um, this will happen. Uh, you know, XX will meet this person and this will happen. So I know I have to write uh, I know the characters I'm going to be writing and the place I'm going to be writing and what's going to be happening. Um, so I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a rough, I roughly plot and then I do first draft material, which then gets rewritten later. But I, if I sit down and I have that one liner, I can write for 90 minutes and write 2000 words. Yes. And I think that's, it, that's um, something that I'm planning to do more of uh, with the second novel. The first one was written, um, not on the hoof, that would be slightly harsh on myself, but it was certainly, um, I, I planned ahead, but I didn't, I didn't have, I would come to a chapter and I wouldn't have exactly what was going to happen planned out. And I think that that's something that I will need in order to be able to write quicker, frankly. Um, yeah, yeah. Word, word, word count goals, I think, are, are good. My only, my only kind of issue is that it, I think it's more about if you don't hit them, is is to think about why you don't hit the goal. So let's say it is you want to write two thousand words in ninety minutes. Um, I mean, I know for me that that's going to be quite ambitious, but that's 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 <laughs> fine. I'm I'm fine with that. Um, but for me, it's more about thinking about if you didn't if you don't hit those targets, it's thinking about why you didn't hit the targets. Is it because you spent twenty minutes halfway through um, on Twitter or Facebook or doing something else <laughs> yeah. instead, and therefore at the end of those, at the end of your ninety minutes, when you've only written a thousand words, then you are able to chastise yourself and feel terrible about it, and hopefully do something about it. If you've only written a thousand words, but it was because for some reason in that particular session you came across a, a particular problem with your writing or a scene or even a sentence where you really had to work hard on a specific thing, then that's kind of fine. So it's a case of, I guess what I'm trying to say is don't beat yourself up. Um, that's just my opinion. Don't beat yourself up if you don't hit word count goals, but um, at least try and understand why you didn't so that you can kind of either put it right or understand it for next time. Yeah, and and I mean, two thousand words. The thing is, I don't write every day. I don't write fiction every day. So, like NaNoWriMo, which has just gone past, I did twenty eight thousand in the month. So that, if you do my two thousand words in a session, that's only like fourteen days worth in the month that I wrote. You know, in that in those sessions. Mm. But I also had a, a big plotting day when I went through, and you know, and I also do a lot of research for my books. So I have to kind of factor in those days too. So and and also people should set lower goals. So if you do a thousand words a day um you know or a thousand words every writing session um then your thousand words might be better than my two thousand words because i do so much editing later on so yeah we don't don't need to measure yourself against anybody else um i do think that you have to work backwards so for example if you have a um ninety thousand word novel that you want to have finished by next july like you want to have not the book finished you want to have first draft finished like ninety thousand words of first draft material then you have to work back over the six months like how many words do i have to do every month and then you can break that down. So it doesn't have to be a daily goal. It can be just a weekly goal. And then, you know, but, but the thing is, we, if we're going to take this seriously and our, and our topic is writing seriously and we have to finish work and get it out there, we do have to set some kind of goals around finishing work. So, um, yeah, I think that would be my opinion. Yep. No, I agree entirely. Um, okay. Point five for anyone that's counting. Um, <laughs> 
plotting or scene planning. So I'm not sure if this kind of is, is partly oh, what we just kind of talked about. What that. we just I talked haven't... about, but you've also talked about we've got we've got Scrivener written down here, and that's what I'm going to be using for um, my um, my second novel. It wasn't around when I started my first novel, so. <laughs> <laughs> You've been writing for so long, Ian. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so um, everything was done in Word, lots of Word documents, lots of PDFs, downloads from the internet, all that kind of thing, all over the place in kind of um, some kind of folder structure that I concocted myself. Um, I also use Post-it notes, which actually I probably will still use again because I like the visual aspects of having Post-it notes on, my, on the wall in front of me. But I'm going to be using Scrivener, um, and I'm sure lots of people listening will have heard of Scrivener. I'm sure many people use it. Um, but it has lots of, uh, I guess, built-in tools for plotting and scene planning. Is it something that you use? Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, I recently interviewed Gwen Hernandez, who wrote Scrivener for Dummies. Oh, right. Um, so she's been on the blog recently. And, yeah, I mean, Scrivener changed my life. I don't write in order. So I, I'm, I write in scenes, and then I kind of move the scenes around. Um, and especially with a thriller like mine, often you're writing different uh, points of view, and then you kind of chop the scenes up and intersperse the points of view to kind of keep the suspense going. So it's, it's, so, it's great with Scrivener because, you can drag and drop things around and then when you're just writing writing first draft writing you can um what i do is i have um i create just one liners like i say i create sort of 30 one liners on the um you know on the scrivener main page which you can view as a pin board with sort of post-it notes mm -hmm. and then i uh, when i sit down to do the writing session i open up that scene and into the full screen mode so it's a black black background white page that's all that's on my computer and then um and i open up the little uh, there's a, a tool for watching your word count it's like a traffic light so it starts at red and as you type it goes orange and then green as you get closer to your daily goal um so i do that and once i've got my word counts then i can close it and i've, I've done it so that's i've just really started that in the last few months opening up that word count thing and you know having that um almost encouraging me to finish that and yeah I'm definitely going to be doing that next year and I'm going to be I'm going to be doing um doing the same with my um with my my second novel but I've actually also started writing um um uh, I think it's going to be a screenplay um early stages Ooh, um, <laughs> indeed um and, and, and Scrivener's great for that too. So it's, it's got all the kind of, um, all the formatting things built in, which is very handy for, for me because I've not had any specific training on how to format, um, a, a screenplay or a script. Mm -hmm. So it, it's kind of, it's, it's very much the Swiss Army knife of writing applications, I think. Oh, it is. And it's great for nonfiction too. And I'll just mention in case anyone doesn't know, you can also use it to output and, well, compile your, books in uh, kindle mobi format in epub pdf word whatever so you don't even need an ebook formatter um you can just do it straight from the software so and it's only 45 bucks so even if you just use it for um publishing your ebooks it's fantastic and, the, and and again i just talking about the fact that i i'm i'm expecting to do at least some note taking maybe some actual writing while i'm commuting or even maybe on my lunch break um i'm, I'm probably going to use my ipad for that and um, there isn't an iPad for Scrivener for iPad yet, although there apparently is one in the works. But um, you can you can sync between your um, your iPad and your desktop computer version of Scrivener by using um, using Dropbox and a and various other ways. I wrote an article about this, but it's really handy if if you if you kind of because part of the reason some people um, I've I've heard 
are a bit worried about Scrivener is because it feels like everything has to be in there and you have to have your computer and Scrivener open in order to do anything. But actually, it has lots of useful um, uh, syncing tools and um, you can use other word processors and it can match mm. up. So, yeah, I've written an article about that, which I'll put in the uh, show notes. Fantastic. Okay, point six. Point six. We have rubbish first drafts and the internal <laughs> editor. <laughs> no, see, uh, I know this is a direct quote. It is the quote <laughs> first draft, which is from Bird by Bird um, by Anne Lamott. Have you read that book? It's amazing. I haven't read the book. I was just censoring uh, your potty mouth. Uh, no, <laughs> direct quote so we we have to know bird by bird is a brilliant book which i highly recommend to people um Anne lamott is an amazing writer um and it really is about um and this sort of censoring the internal editor and that's why i like to you know call my 2000 words first draft material mm. because what i write in my first draft material you are very unlikely to see you know maybe even 90 percent of that in the finished book um because when i write first draft material a lot of it is a load of crap um, and there might be some gems in there but it will need severe editing and it will also need moving around and all this but the point is when you're writing first draft material is just to let it all out you know and to really um, you know put your editor in a, in a box and just get on with it and I, I think I, I know there are some writers like Lee Child I heard speak he's a great thriller writer um he's he only writes one draft and he gives it to his editor and it gets published that's it there's no he doesn't do any rewriting he he doesn't get any edits anymore you know it just gets published like like that but most of us uh, don't have that ability plus he was a screenwriter for years mm. so I think he internalized the aspects of writing but um yeah I think this is really important and I actually think that you are unlikely to get very far with a book in general unless you write really terrible first drafts so that you can then edit them and rewrite them later on yeah I mean again this is something that, that I'm planning to do um much more of I I was I'm, I'm a copywriter by trade I have I've I have plain English training that was that was my first job I had to learn how to write in plain English so I was literally trying to every word had to be perfect um and and that's very much kind of how I wrote my my, my first novel as well um I was meticulous about every sentence every word every paragraph I have quite an economical writing style as well so that kind of adds to the meticulousness of it all um but it does it does put time on it it does it does add time to uh to to the process and yes all right so when i handed my manuscript over to my agent and then my publisher they did say wow i've hardly had to do any work on this in terms of typos <laughs> uh, in terms of grammar problems in terms of kind of timing issues that kind of thing but it probably took me a lot longer than it would have done if i had just put it all out there in the first draft and then gone back to it so so again this is all about what we said earlier about being focused with your time and um, and, and and kind of just just going for it and and not worrying too much that first time round, um, it's it's definitely something that I plan to do with this novel, um, and and um, and and I think it's I think it's important. I think it's important not to. I think I think partly it comes down to being precious about your writing as well. It's something that I mean, I, I'm I'm very precious about my writing in the sense that you know it means an awful lot to me. It means it means the world to me really that that that, that my writing is as good as I can possibly make it, and and I would hope that that's the same for most people. Um, but there is an element of being precious about every single draft, and that's just not it's just not necessary. It's it's overkill, I think, if anything. Um, yeah. So, does that make sense? Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I think. Um, 
and uh, well, I was going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you on this now because we've, we've had this conversation before about the masters in writing, um, creative writing, which I think that's how you wrote your novel, wasn't it? With well, one of- it was how I, I did. Um, so I, I had. Um, it was it was slightly strange because I wasn't writing my novel as while I was on the MA. I, I was doing short stories and then, and then I switched when I'd kind of finished the taught part of the the process. But it was written, I guess, within the confines of a creative writing course where there was specific mm. targets and it was being you know I had a tutor and that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, because I've just, um, I'm about to publish Exodus, my third novel, and um, the, the, the feedback on from my beta readers was, this is significantly better than the first book, and actually I've, I have just rewritten Pentecost, the first book, um, because I feel my writing has got better, so I, I've wow. actually rewritten that, and so on, on Amazon now, um, the book is the, you know, a re- not rewritten in terms of the plot is all exactly the the same it's just I've you know my language has moved on and that type of thing so but what I was I was talking to someone who'd done an MFA and I said to them do you know what I think I've learned more from writing three books reasonably quickly and getting them all edited going through the editing process than I think I could have ever learned from several years on because I've you know it's been over for a couple of years that I've written three books um, I think I've learned more from doing that than I would on a master's course what, what do you reckon about that? Um, I, I would say so. I've always, I mean, I get asked all the time if it's worth um, doing the doing an MA or even the, the exact same MA that I did, and I say yes. But I, I, I very much say the the most valuable thing that I got from an MA, and I think that most people get, is being in a writing environment because most people, I would argue, um, aren't. They don't come from um, uh, from a writing community all the time. It's very often people who are doing it kind of for the for the first time. So they don't have a load of writers around them. So the most valuable thing for me was to be around other people with the same goals. Especially as I was only twenty three at the time, so I could easily have kind of lost interest quickly. But because I was around other people who were taking it very seriously, that was really valuable. But I, but I agree. I um, with with um, with Ace Frangelica, my, my first novel. I got an I got my agent for it um, with a, a first draft of source. I got to a point where I thought this is just as good as I'm going to make it. I'm going to try and get an agent, and it so happens that my, my agent, who, I, who I've worked with um, uh, since then on it, and who, who ended up selling the novel, um, they worked with me really intensively for about six months. And in that six months was where I really learned how to mm. to put a book together. I kind of knew how to write before, but that 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 six months working with Tibor Jones that. That, that was where I learned to, how to actually turn it into a proper book. It wasn't a proper book beforehand. It was a good writer with some good ideas and some really, you know, some really sort of good chapters, but they weren't in the right order. The, the pace was slightly off. And, you know, they, they kind of just saw the writing and then they saw, right, we can we can help this young mm. chap. And um, and they did. So I, do, I, I went through not the same experience, but I can, uh, similar in the sense that, that that period of intensive writing with someone who knows what they're talking about, who cares about the book and who is willing mm. to give good critical advice. That was what really made the difference for me, I think. Yeah, and I, and I mean, our last thing on serious writing is, is the cycles of writing. And um, I, I still, I mean, I had a, a big structural edit on the first novel. And I think a structural edit is exactly what you're saying. It's the whole story structure. Um, it's, you know, making, if like a thriller has to hang together in a certain way, you know, a romance hangs together in another way. You write literary fiction, but there are always ways to make a story better. And then um, a line editor, so I have my line edits back, the latest book, and, and the line editor is, is word choice and all of that and then I also have a proofreader so I normally have um, you know 
and then I have beta readers who are people who read the book and give me feedback. So I have all these different voices that come in later to make things better, um, which I think is also important about writing seriously. So that's when you let the editor back in, you know, the internal editor and the external editors and to really polish the book and make it as good uh, as it can be. So um, you obviously had that full editing experience as well. Absolutely, and I'm just actually looking at my notes, which I made I made last week um, on on this topic, and I've um, I've got I've, I've got the question I've got the point down. So we've got cycles of writing and all the things you just talked about, and then I've written my notes. Are it's a frightening prospect. I had people on the MA and then a tutor, and eventually my editor, and I've written that the one period of writing that didn't work so well was when I was entirely on my own. Um, <laughs> you, you need to break it up, and you need to get help, which I think is um, is, is absolutely the case. Um, um, and and um, it's, it's not easy to do, especially if you're a new writer, because I, I know I'm sure there's lots of people who are listening to this who, who are really new to writing. So us talking about um, editors and beta readers, all this kind of thing might not be, it might all sound completely alien. It, I think whatever stage you're at, really, it, for me, it's just about not thinking that you, you're, you're on your own in terms of in, in terms of there aren't other writers in the same position. But um, but you can you can get advice, you can get help from from a number of sources. It's just about choosing the right sources, which is presumably your beta readers. Aren't it's not just any old Tom, Dick, and Harry. Presumably you've chosen those people quite carefully. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, and I'm not somebody who likes a critique group. I know some people do have, you know, a critique group where they go every week and they read each other's work. And but I don't let anyone see my book until I've rewritten it at least three times. <laughs> Because like, no, I, I actually had an email from a listener and she said, um, I'd really like to know how different your first draft is from your finished product. You know, I really like your books, but can, can I see that so I can understand, you know, how, how that works? And I was just like, sorry, but no, <laughs> my first drafts don't go anywhere um, because they really are very basic but um so i i just couldn't do that but some people really like a critique group and certainly um some people have said to me they can't afford professional editing which Mm. as an independent author if you're going to self-publish you need to get your own editor basically and in fact even if you want traditional publishing now your book normally has to be pretty edited before you get it anywhere first you know it needs to be edited before it goes to an agent because they're not gonna you know they're they're not necessarily going to help you like yours did for you ian they're they normally they want something that's very polished and um yeah so i think if you can't afford professional editing then often a critique group even an online critique group can really help and you can almost barter your time and help other writers who are you know maybe say to someone in the same genre um you know i'll i'll critique yours and you you critique mine so um yeah i think people can do that too yeah absolutely usually um those kinds of relationships you usually have to give a bit back so you may have to do some critiquing yourself in order to get your own work critiques but it's about finding people that you trust basically it's um i guess it's the same with many things in life yeah, and I, I also want to add on this, and, and you and I are really good, I think, um, you know, doing this together, because you've written this literary fiction novel that is, um, you know, it happens on a street, doesn't it? Um, and, you know, so as in it's quite contained, the mm. book is quite contained, there's a guy in uh, his living room, um, whereas mine are sort of, you know, international thrillers with people running around the world hunting things and blowing things up. It completely, completely different genres, yep. and the type of people who like our books 
colleagues are maybe completely different people or they might be the same people in a different mood. Um, but what we have to remember and what I, I want everyone to remember is there is a market for everything now. And that's one of the amazing things. So if you're writing a book which you just, you know, is completely different to, to everything or is similar, you know, maybe you write a, um, you know, like my friend Ruth Ann Norden, Norden who writes Mormon romance that's not a genre I'm going to read, but there's a, there's a market for it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's fantastic. So I really want to encourage people to write what you want to write and what you love to write. And, you know, both Ian and I write very differently, um, but we still can talk about this whole process in the same way. Absolutely. I mean, it's um, writing is writing at the end of the day. It's, if it's got a good story and the plot makes is in a sensible order and everything makes sense, then you can't go far wrong, really. No, and actually, I have a book recommend another book recommendation. Um, Story Engineering by Larry Brooks, which um, is excellent and taught me about writing in scenes. Which I think, when that penny dropped for me, that's how I understood a lot more about writing a book. So I really recommend that Story Engineering by Larry Brooks. Absolutely, and all the things that we've mentioned, all the books, all the bits and pieces, um, I will put into the show notes, which will be on um, on the Seventy Decibels blog and on the Write for Your Life. Um, blog on my blog fantastic well i think we are uh, i think we're almost done are we i think we are and i think my nose has gradually become more bunged up the longer i've talked <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> that's all right well it's been it's been fantastic talking with you ian you too where can where can everyone find you on the internet if they should want to oh right yes you can well i write fiction under jf pen so i'm at jfpen.com and i also have a blog for writers at thecreativepen.com and a podcast on itunes as well if you want another podcast on writing the creative pen on itunes a smashing podcast on writing too um, you can find me at uh, on Twitter. I'm Ian Broom there, I-A-I-N-B-R-O-O-M-E. It seems crazy that I have to spell my own name every week, but I do. Um, and, 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 of course, there's the, the blog of the podcast, which is um, Write For Your Life, and you can find that at, that at ianbroom forward slash blog. And, um, and that's it. Thanks very much, Joanna. No worries. Thanks for having me. No problem. Hopefully speak to you soon.